forgiveness was bought through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. My name's David. You're a very different group of people to, uh, for me to speak to. I preach in prisons. My wife preaches in prisons. My opening words, I will praise, extol the Lord at all times. His praise was always beyond my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. For a moment, in silence, let's just think of the blessings the Lord has brought to us. Let's just think of those times of trouble when the Lord has been with us. David says in this psalm, I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, who love him, and he delivers them. Surely goodness, surely mercy shall be beside me all my days. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and bless your holy name. Those words will be familiar to you if you were here last week because Psalm 34 was the psalm that our amazing, our tremendous Pastor Dave Edwards preached to. He talked about, in Psalm 34, David a shepherd boy, chosen by the Lord to face the Philistine armies, to take on his champion Goliath and defeat him. Dave last week talked about the Lord choosing David, taking him to the court of King Saul to be his friend and his companion and then everything went wrong. And David fled and hid away in a cave for his life. At one stage, he even feigned madness to escape. He was surrounded by enemies. And in all those times, all those difficult times, David said, I will extol the Lord. At all times, his praise will be always on my lips. I've got a confession to make. I'm not a preacher. The Lord chose me for a little task. The task was to go into prisons to tell stories. I tell stories, and they're not any old stories. There's stories about our God's love, about his goodness. There's stories that say to those men and women in the prisons we go into, who you were is not who you are. Who you are is not who you could be through the love and the grace of our Lord. Our God chose David despite his sins, despite his failings. He chose him to be the great king of Israel, the king that united Judea and Israel together.
The Lord sees us beyond our failings. Last week, I've got to say, we, we shouldn't take for granted that we have wonderful people in this church. People like Pastor Dave and Pastor Faye. Their words to us on a Sunday morning, they're so good. We shouldn't forget that. So last Sunday, I'm sitting down there with Stella, my wife, and I'm listening to those words. I will extol the Lord forever. His words will be constantly upon my lips. And I thought about myself. I thought about my own life. And I thought, Lord, I'm not like that. In times of trouble, Lord, how many times have I shouted out, why, Lord, why have you done that? Why have you let me suffer that? All those times I should have been saying, thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Ah. <laughs> uh. And so, it says up there, Psalm 23, a personal story. Psalm 23 for me has always meant something special. A few weeks ago, I was, it was my birthday. I'm 70 year old now. Five months ago, Stella and I became grandparents. Ah, oh, we have um, a daughter-in-law who's Brazilian. We have a step-granddaughter who is, oh, she is gorgeous. She is wonderful. And we now have a step, that's uh, all, we now have a grandson, Thomas. And I've been thinking back over the last few weeks at my life, the past and the future. And I thought, hmm, there are some things. There are some things, Lord, that I didn't understand when I was going through them. So I'm going to look at Psalm 23. And tell you some points from it. Because from my experience this morning when I did the first service. I got 35 minutes into it and I'd only done two verses. I've got far, far too much to say to you. So I'm going to cut it. I'm going to edit it as we go along. Sorry, I'm going to sneeze a minute. Psalm 23 starts off with those, those words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does it say? Stop. It says stop because I've done the classic mistake. I've taken Psalm 23 and I've just treated those first, that first verse as an introduction, an introduction to move on to the more interesting things I want to talk about. The problem is, I've known this psalm since I was a child. Oh, there I am, three-year-old, Western Supermare, walking with Dad and Thirsty. What you can't see on this photograph is that there's little drizzles of rain coming down. Oh, by the way, I just realized, quite smartly dressed for a little kid. I was walking around going like this, trying to catch the rain. And I used to go to uh, my grandmother and auntie would take me to a little chapel in Pontypool in Osmond Road. And I knew this psalm from a very little age. And sometimes I'd stand up in the, the anniversary and I'd, I'd read it out. But I want to quote from 1 Corinthians. 
When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Mm. When I was in my thought 40s, 50s, even 60s, sometimes, sometimes, I still thought as a child. I still spoke as a child. I certainly hadn't put away childish things. And I say that because I want to say to you that when you look at that first line of the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. It should be the Lord. It's a declaration. The Lord and no other is my shepherd. And when we make that declaration, when we take those words, the Lord is my shepherd, into our hearts, the next part of the psalm shows you the blessings that flow from that. He leads me to green pastures. He leads me by still waters. I'm refreshed. He maketh me lie down. I didn't understand that. The next line. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, when you're thinking like a child... When you're talking like a child, I shall not want. Oh, I've got to confess, there have been thousands of times I've been praying to the Lord, Lord, look, I want, and of course I can always justify it. Lord, please give me. Lord, I would like. It all means the same things. It means, Lord, you, t you do what I want and not what you want. I didn't understand the difference between wanting something and needing something. I'm getting old. I've got to keep looking at my notes. So when you have a declaration and you say, the Lord is my shepherd and the blessings flow from it. You've got to ask, why a shepherd? See, a shepherd would have been, for David, when he wrote this, it would have been a common to see them around. They're looking after the sheep. But looking after the sheep is important. I think my next quote is from Isaiah. See, the Sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. If we can't understand that, if we look at John, the Lord says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. He says, I am the good shepherd. You see, the shepherd knows the sheep. He knows every one of them. He knows them by name. He knows their strengths. He knows their weaknesses. He knows their characteristics. Our Lord, our shepherd, knows us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows when we're going to do something silly. 
he guides us. There's a difference between want and need. If I wasn't so old and traditional and tending to read the King James Version, I might have understood that earlier. There are three quotations for this one particular line. The King James Version says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The NIV translation says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And the New American Version says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in need. I began to understand that with a prayer. I'd been going through a different, difficult time in my life. I'd been divorced. And I didn't want to be divorced. My son was living in Devon with his mum. And to be able to see him every other weekend, I would drive from school. I was teaching in Abbasachan. I would drive from school to Devon on a Friday evening. I'd pick him up. I'd drive back to Pontypool where I lived. On a Sunday, I would drive from Pontypool to Devon and then back Sunday evening and back to work Monday. And there were times, particularly at the, the end of a month, when I was broke. Financially, I couldn't afford to do that travel. And so, there were many times when I would to be able to afford the petrol to go to Devon to see my son, to bring him home. I wouldn't buy food. I'd go over to my mother's and my mother would say, Oh, Dave, I've just cooked a meal. That wasn't a coincidence. Well, one, one Friday I went over and it was one of the Fridays when I actually wasn't going to Devon. And as I went into... We always used the back door at mum's house. I went in and mum was singing. <laughs> My mother loved singing the old hymns. And she was singing, When you're weak and heavy laden, burdened down with a load of care, never, never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. You see, that was my mistake. I was trying to work in my own strength. And I was failing. So the next morning, a Saturday morning, and I think it's quite significant that I was in a shower, being washed clean. And I put my arms out. And I prayed to the Lord, I said, thank you, Lord. Because sometimes I'm just asking, Lord, and not thanking you. But, Lord, I want to say to you, don't give me what I've been praying for. Give me what you know I need. You won't be surprised. From that prayer, my life started changing. Mind you, I would have understood that a bit quicker if I'd turned and read from the New Living Bible translation. Because it says for that, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I didn't understand that. I do know.
I'm going to skip a little, skip a few verses. There's a f- an important line in this psalm, and it says, He restores my soul. In my life, the Lord has not just restored it once, but every time I make a mistake and go backwards, he restores it again. Because there's, there's times in my life where I thought, I don't deserve the Lord's blessing. Other people do, but, but not me. But he restores our soul. To try and explain a complicated situation. I said earlier on that the Lord chose me to tell stories. But he can't do that unless things, other things happen first. And I didn't know how I was going to explain this to you. I could have told you about him restoring my soul and my worry about my son and the despair I was in sometimes. So I decided to write it as a conversation, an imaginary conversation in heaven between our Lord and St. Peter. I chose St. Peter because I like Peter. The Bible tells us he's not perfect. I like Peter. So this is the imaginary conversation. The Lord and Peter are walking through a garden and they look down at earth and the Lord says, that's the one. That's the man I want. He's the one that can go into prisons and tell those people their stories. And Peter looked at him and said, um, that one, Lord, that one who's always moaning, that one who's always complaining, you've chosen him. Are you sure? Yes, he's the one. He's the one who'll go into prisons and tell people about my love and my grace. And then St. Peter looked and said, hmm, Lord, I know he's always complaining, but he doesn't even go to church. So the Lord said, well, okay, yes. So get him to go to church. I know, let's um, get him to go to St. John's, that little church in front of his mother's house. Peter said, but Lord, I don't want to seem difficult, but St. John's doesn't even have a prison group. And the Lord said, I know, but from there, we'll get him to go to King's Church in Newport. But Lord, but, but, is there something wrong, Peter? You know, he doesn't like King's Church. He's got friends who go there. He tells them it's too loud. (laughs) There's too much raw emotion there. And he can't stand the songs, especially that La La song. (laughs) You know, he's told his friends he'll never set foot in King's Church. And the Lord says, come on, Peter. We've dealt with more difficult cases than this. What about that man on the road to Damascus? One flash of light. Look at the changes that made. So Peter said, so shall I get the strike him down kit out of the cupboard? (laughs) No, Lord. No, the Lord says, no, Peter. I think that's a bit too drastic. In this case, we'll go a bit slower. And then Peter said, so when, you get, when we get him to church, what happens next? And the Lord said, well, the first thing we do is we heal him. How did King David put it in that psalm? 
we will restore his soul. So Peter says, Lord, look, I know in the past I've not been the best person to trust you. I still remember that bit on the water, you know, when I nearly drowned. And don't mention that cockerel. Three times it crowed. But if you get him to King's, how are you going to heal him? And the Lord said, Peter, you know in Kings I put Pastor Ray Bevan, my true and faithful servant. He'll do the healing. And Peter said, and then? What happens next? And then this man will become so overwhelmed with my love for him, he'll make a commitment. And then all we need to do is drop one of those little booklets, you know, the ones that talk about the work the King's Church does, about their ministries. He'll read it, and he'll see about the, the church's work in prisons, and he'll want to be part of that team. At this point, St. Peter must have looked quizzically at the Lord, and the Lord says to him, Peter, I've seen it in his heart. But Lord, if it's in his heart, Peter, it's in his heart. He doesn't know it yet. If he knew it, he'd be doing my work already. Okay, Lord, if he goes into prisons, do you think he'll have the nerve to stand up before the prisoners and talk? The Lord shook his head and said, Peter, he's a teacher. They all like talking. <laughs> so Peter says, okay, Lord, I'll get the Holy Spirit onto the, this afternoon. And the Lord says, oh, Peter, you know at times this man's faith isn't that strong. Well, we'll need someone to keep him on the paths of righteousness, to support him, to guide him. Peter looked at the Lord and said, Ah, shall I find him a shepherd or an angel? And the Lord said, No, we'll find him a wife. And then the Lord said, Is there anything else, Peter? And Peter said, Well, there's one thing. Those cups, we're going to have to buy bigger ones. Because the ones we got at the moment keep overflowing. That's how it happened. That might be a silly way of saying it, but that's what it happened. 20, I don't know, 24 years ago, I came here. I didn't want to come here. I didn't like coming here. But I came one morning with some friends, and I vowed that I would never come back here again. That evening... I drove down on my own from Pontypool. I came here. And Pastor Ray Bevan Pastor Ray Bevan preached a sermon about being healed through the blood of Christ. And I sat there and I thought, this sermon's for me. Forget the other 100, 200 people. This is for me. And if the Lord has got me to a place I don't want to be in, with people I don't want to be there with, he's got me there for a reason. I've got to make a commitment and I made the commitment that I would get baptized. A public presentation of my commitment to the Lord. And so, a week before the, the baptism service, we're at a little meeting over in one of the little rooms and 
I meet this absolutely gorgeous, beautiful woman. And we talk. She asks me a question about bullying in schools. It's a problem her son was having. And that was it. A week later, it came to the um, service. Sorry, Anne. Came to the service, and she was baptised third, and I was baptised fourth. Behind her, following her. Do you know, I've done that for 21 years of my life, come to think of it. We've, <laughs> we've been married... In August the 5th, we've been married 21 years. And in those 21 years, because we both said, the Lord is my shepherd, we've made that declaration. The blessings have flowed on us. I have a great wife. She keeps reminding me that I have. Stella and I work some Sundays in prisons. We preach. I've looked up at the amount of time I've got left. I haven't reached a quarter of what I've got to say, so I'm going to skip some parts. There's... In that, that psalm, there's an important bit which says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to skip that for a moment and come back to it. Because the next line is, for you art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. A shepherd had a rod. A rod was the weapon, the, the weapon that protected the sheep. It protected the sheep from robbers. It protected the sheep from wild animals. The rod was a rod of protection. It had a staff. You know one of those big long things curls around? The staff was used to take the sheep and when they were going places that they shouldn't have it would hook around their neck it would pull them back so the rod protected us uh, from the things that could go wrong the staff protected us from ourselves for our will willfulness to do things Let me illustrate that. A few weeks ago, we were, Stella and I were just coming back from the park. We'd taken our dog for a walk and we saw, saw our next door neighbours and we stopped and we were talking to them. And as we did, a man came up the road and I looked and I thought, yeah, I, I know him. He was an ex-prisoner. We'd met quite a few times in Cardiff prison. And he crossed the road to us, and I said hello, and he said hello, and he said, come, come on. And he led me away from Stella and our neighbors, and he said, I'm, I'm going to Bible class now. That's great. And he said, can you give me some money? And I thought, well, I haven't got much on me. And as I put my hand in my pocket, the Lord said, we've seen it already up there, stop. And I said, I, I, I can't. I, I, I haven't got any money. And he went, oh, surely you've got something. Have you got something in the house? And the Lord said, stop. So then he got a lot closer, this man got a lot closer to me and he said, can you give me a lift? Can you take me down to my church? And I thought, well, it's a, it's a Thursday evening, so 
might be something going on in church. And I said, which church? Oh, um, oh the, you know, the, the one just down the road. And I said, oh, you mean um, All Saints? Uh, uh, no, 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 not there. Oh, Highfield. No, 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 not there. And all that time I felt the hand of the Lord on my shoulder. Going, no. This is my rod to protect you. So I said, look, I, I, I can't. I, you know, we're about to go out. I, I, I can't take you in my car. Because I had visions of taking him in my car. And then not being able to get him out. And then my life being at risk. And he kept saying, well, oh, go on, go on, you know, just this once, you can help. Hmm. And from being persuasive, he started getting aggressive. He started saying, come on, come on, just, no. And at that point, he stormed off. He went over the road and he started shouting, Ha! Some Christian you are. You can't even help someone. And then he shouted, You're a pervert. We know about you when you come into prisons, we know what you're like. We know about the affairs you've had with women. Call yourself a Christian. And he's now screaming this out. And our neighbours are looking. And we live by a station. And a train has come in. Sorry, I'm going to sneeze again. And a train has come in and there are people coming off the train. And they, they're coming up the pathway by the house and... They're looking at this, and some of them are going, Whoa, this looks interesting. Whoa, you don't get this on EastEnders. <laughs> and others are beginning to stop and thinking, perhaps there's something in this. I told you that the Lord's hand was on me at that point, and he'd said, stop. My rod is to protect you. He used the staff. He used the staff to stop me. Stop me from losing it. Stop me from running across the road, grabbing that man, headbutting him, punching him, kicking him. Because I thought, well, David, look, how could you go into prison and preach God's love when in a few weeks' time you're going to be had up in court for assault? The Lord has a weapon to protect us from others and he has a staff to protect us from ourselves. Just before that, God, I've got a minute left and I've got 10 minutes of sermon to do. Right. Just before that, the, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. To explain that in my life, I've got to talk to you about a man called Jan Podretsky. Jan was a Polish man. He lived near my, par my grandparents. He was a bit grumpy. If us kids, we, we played football in the lane behind the back of his house. He'd come out and chase us away. My grandparents said that when he'd come to South Wales after the war, he didn't believe in banks and therefore he kept all his money in his house. So one night when I must have been about 11, 12 year old, my father said to me, I want you to break into Jan Podreski's house. When I tell this story in prisons, I always twist it a little bit. I always 
make it sound as if we were breaking in to rob him. But we weren't. To be honest, we were breaking in to try and save him. I went in through the back window near the kitchen. Climbed over all the plates that were there. Stacked up tidily. Went into the hallway, called out his name. There was no answer. And I, I got to the, the, where the stairs go up. And on the right in the living room, there was just a faint orange light. And I opened the door and I knew what I was going to find. There was Jan Podretsky sitting in his favourite armchair, staring at me. But I knew it was too late. But I went up to him and I took my two fingers like that and I put it on his wrist and there was no pulse. And his, his wrist and his arms were cold, ice cold. So I went to Dad and I went to the door and I said, Dad, look, he's, he's, Mr. Podreski's dead. Dad ran down. It's the 60s. We didn't have telephones in the houses. He ran down to the phone box, bottom of Wayne Felling Avenue, Pontypool, phoned the police. Police came. I explained what we'd done. And they... They talked to his doctor. And he explained that Janet had a very weak heart. Because Jan, those numbers tattooed, meant that Jan Podretsky had spent some time of his life in a concentration camp. A fortnight later, Dad and I went to the funeral. And we're standing by the open grave and they've put the coffin in. And a group of friends of Jan all Polish men sang a hymn. I didn't understand the words, it was in Polish, but I certainly knew the tune. The words were, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The priest then told us all, that Jan had lived in Warsaw. He'd been rounded up with his mother and father and sister and he'd, they'd been taken to a camp and he never saw them again. He said, but every day, Jan Podreski would read out or say the 23rd Psalm. He would say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because Lord, you are with me. And I thought, how, how could he do that? Oh, everything he's been through, how can he do that? I used, used to tell this story about Jan in prisons. It got people's attention. And if you, have their, if you have prisoners' attention, they're listening. And if they're listening, there's a good chance that the word of the Lord will go in. And I'd forgotten. There was a time we were in Stella and I and the rest of the team, we were in a prison in Gloucester. A women's, women's prison in Gloucester. And I think I preached on the 23rd Psalm. And I said to them, there's an important bit in this that you've got to know. It says, even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Where you are in your life, is not going to stay like that all the time. With the Lord with us, if we've said, Lord, you are my shepherd, the Lord is with us. And what I'd forgotten until at the end of the first service this morning, Stella, who was 
sitting there said to me, can you remember that one woman prisoner? She came up to me and she said, Oi, mate, that song. And I was thinking it was something that Dave um, Escott had sung. No, she said, no, 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 that, that, that song you, you told us about, about the valley, about death. I said, oh, yeah, the 23rd Psalm. And I got one of the prison Bibles and I opened it and I looked at Leslie, who is the um, prison chaplain. And I said, can I, can I give her the Bible? And she said, yeah, that's, that's why they're there. And the woman looked at it and said, ah, thank you very much. And as they took all the women prisoners away, we heard this one particular woman walking up the wing directly from the chapel. And she was reading out the 21st Psalm as loud as she could. Two months later, when we're due back in that prison, the chaplain Leslie said to us, you won't believe this, every single night since that service, just before lockdown, she mentioned the woman's name, she stands in her open cell doorway and reads out for everyone on the wing, the 23rd Psalm. And it's made a difference. Women who have worries about their lives, about their families, now go to her and talk to her. What we didn't know, and Leslie told us, this woman was going to have her child taken away from her because of her drug addiction. The authorities were going to take the child away. But over a period of months, the people coming in who were dealing with her case could see a change in her. Could see that she wasn't the same person that she'd started off. And she kept her son. Um, both Stella and I are not claiming any. That's not, we didn't do that. We didn't make that change. We are just the messengers for the Lord. I was chosen to go in and tell stories. And the Lord works the miracles. I'm going to stop because I'm a good eight minutes over time. I'm going to conclude with those words. Oh, actually, go half a minute. Psalm 23 is split up into three parts. One, it's that declaration, the Lord is my shepherd. The next few verses are promises. He will lead us by still waters. He will put a table before me in front of my enemies. But the rest of it, the last verse, is a promise. And it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I've got to write some words on goodness and mercy because I think they're God's sheepdogs. They're following us. But it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of my life. And the promise is, I will, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you for listening to me.
Thank you, Dave. What a wonderful message. Uh, such hope in there, isn't there? The, you know, the great thing of that, even through the valley, the dark times, the awful time, he is always with us, and that's the security that the 23rd Psalm gives us. And for those of you that maybe have listened to that where Dave said, it didn't matter about the other hundreds in the church, the servant, the sermon was for him. And there might be someone here this morning that this sermon is for them. You might feel you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. There is a simple prayer, a simple way of starting this journey of having a relationship with the Redeemer, the Savior, the changer of life, the giver of life. So if you're online watching this and you want to, uh, to join in this prayer, just say it inside. It's not about the, the words themselves. It's whatever is in your heart. See, God wants to hear hearts. Words are easy, uh, is what goes on inside. So if you want to just quietly say this within, in, within you, dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've got it wrong. I can't go on living this way. I ask you now to come and live in my heart. Come in and change me from the person that I am into the person that you want me to be. I acknowledge, although I don't completely understand, that you died on the cross to save me. I ask you now to take me as I am and make me into your child. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So if anybody who said that prayer, please let some of the stewards at the back know after. But what I would suggest, if you did say that prayer, go and tell someone. Go and tell someone. And when you go out the back door, you'll see that there are people there with Bibles. We'd love to give you a Bible. And there's a, a magazine that some of the church uh, members have written in there. Please take one. If you're online and uh, you'd like a Bible, because in that Bible is the 23rd Psalm. So you can take it and read it. So if you want to let us know, uh, email us and we will let you have a, a Bible. So bless you. Thank you.